You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. I am Ben Wolf. Uh, we're going to discuss with our guest today the topic of managing and recruiting post the Great Resignation and post COVID. To be a very interesting topic. And with that, I want to get into introducing our guest today, um, talking about this topic of uh, management leadership and recruiting in the world that's post COVID, post Great Resignation. Uh, she is a fractional COO and integrator with clients at Wolf's Edge Integrators. Full disclosure, that is my firm and we are colleagues. Uh, uh, she is uh, my partner and is the head of community at the aforementioned sponsor, the Fractional Leadership Association. Uh, you can learn more about her at wolfsedgeintegrators.com forward slash about. And with that, I introduce Jen Hamilton. Welcome, Jen. Thank you, Ben. Happy to be here. Awesome. And honored to, honor to have this conversation with you. And I, I guess um, we've known each other for so long, but if you'd please give our, our listeners and viewers a quick kind of two-minute background on uh, yourself and, and I guess, and especially with regard to how you came to be talking about and thinking about this, this topic right now. Sure. Well, it's funny. I'll start my background with a place where you would never think that I would start this conversation. So my career started with uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers as a CPA. So yes, a nerd for numbers is now talking about people. <laughs> um, but the thing that I loved most about my accounting career was leading my teams and working with my clients to really improve their practice, improve their their work. And, and, and I just loved being able to engage with how can they do their business better. And so after I left the CPA world, I went into educational consulting, worked with nonprofits in different school districts, and my focus was on empowering teachers, youth advisors, um, schools, school districts, how to better engage their students in the classroom, which ultimately I think is like the worst kind of management you could ever do. At least in a job, the people you manage are paid, but in school, they have to be there. And they're there basically <laughs> voluntarily. Yeah, exactly. So that was really the best um, playground for me to learn what is going to motivate a human to mm -hmm. do what you want them to do, even when they don't want to. And and so when I left educational consulting, that's when I went into my own consulting and worked to mostly support leaders and managers on how to have their team be accountable, put processes in place, and work well together. So I've always loved the people side, but that little accountant side of me can't leave the processes and the systems and the numbers and the metrics alone. And so that's what ultimately led me into eventually shifting from giving advice about how to run their company better to being a fractional COO and integrator and just couldn't anymore say, here's what you should do and then not let the clients actually make it happen. So that's when I made the shift into fractional leadership is that I wanted to be the actual executive, making sure people were held accountable and getting it done, still having strategic plans and ideas, but having a, the team of the client around me to make it happen. So yeah. Awesome. I appreciate that. And you know, and transitioning into our, our topic today of, you know, great resignation of COVID and what's different with management leadership and recruiting. After that is, first of all, describe what were things 
like back in the halcyon days of 2019, <laughs> right before all of that, all of those messes. I feel uh, like we need some special effects to like go back in time. Right. Oh, the, the way back machine. It seems so uh, crazy long ago. <laughs> uh, I think really what we saw was before COVID in 2019, it was still this millennial conversation or or new workforce conversation. It was sort of blamed on them that they want like, oh, I need this culture based and, and I want to grow and I want to learn in my in my company. And, and so there was some movement within companies because of the shift in workforce and the, what they desire out of their companies to be more culture focused, to be more of a place where you can learn and you can grow. And we also saw people like leaving their companies. So that, that was happening before 2019 or before 2020 in 2019 and before, but what we also were, we were seeing is that it was still the upper hand of the company you know, you still had sort of your maybe your pick of the litter of of folks and you could get people to do what you needed to do they weren't as maybe demanding as we'll talk about next of like during 2020 and and beyond <laughs> well so what what do you think prompted that change right right what 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 caused this so-called great resignation I think the big thing, you know, I've done a lot of research and courses around this so that I can be a better leader um, within our team and, and with our clients. But ultimately, I just look, listen to my own heart and what I observed in family and friends, and I'm probably guessing you have too, which is when there's something as dramatic as a pandemic and there is death associated with it, people are sick. You start to just question your own mortality. You know, is this how I want to spend the rest of my life? Do I want to be in this job? Do I want to be in this marriage? Like we, we saw so much questioning of, is this what it's for? When you don't know how much time you have left, you kind of you start to take inventory of your life and start to question, is this the best thing for me? Is this how I want to spend my time? So that was one side of it. Mm -hmm. The other side of it is that you are in a different environment. Not everyone had to go remote, but most everyone did in some way, shape or form have their work environment change more at home, if you will, for a lot of people. But even if you were first responders or you're out in the field, your services, the way you interacted with people was, was very different just because they were at home or, you know, maybe you had to pick up something and go back home. So you being at home also and being remote just gave you a whole new experience of how to work or how to, to gain services. So it opened up our minds as workers of, hey, you can do things differently, things that you thought you could never do technology is now opening up the ability and the creativity that people are having of how do we connect? How do we work? How do we still accomplish goals? And so that's kind of the other side of it is it just, it broke through all the walls of like, well, you can't do that virtually, that either a worker would say, or also we saw it in the companies too. A lot of companies were like, well, no, we can't, we can't be remote. We've never been able to remote. We have to be in the office. And so that had to be broken down, especially in the in the more professional services side of things. There's still folks that were in in 
manufacturing and first responders, of course, but <laughs> there are still people that were maybe in the office that would home people that aren't critical workers. So this just shifted on both sides, the way that companies looked at what's possible um, to be able to get my employees to produce and I'm not physically there it was for many, many people something they didn't think is possible. And now they say it actually can happen. And sometimes, and maybe oftentimes, people would be surprised as a worker or as the company how productive they actually could be outside of their normal work environment. So all of that exposure to different ways of working, looking at what's important in my life, doing that sort of self-evaluation, uh, seeing you had different skills. I know a lot of people who are like, I can't do Zoom. We're now like feeling pretty good about technology. All of that just made everyone say, hmm, maybe I don't have to work where I am. And which went from COVID to then what we learned in 2021, which was a great resignation. Well, so so let's get into now what business owners should be thinking about with that, which is, I guess, uh, you know, what what are the top three things that if you could walk through some of the main highlights of what what people need to be doing differently, approaching things differently when it comes to recruiting now in this you know post tectonic shift world. Uh, when it comes to recruiting, getting people, when it comes to keeping people, managing and leading people, what are some of the main things that, that we should be doing differently? So part of why I think it's really important to understand what changed in people's worlds is to then see, well, makes sense, then we need to approach how we attract people to our companies differently and how we retain them differently so, and even how we manage them differently. So knowing that pretty much an entire planet in some way, shape or form is questioning, is this worth it? What has happened in recruiting and then definitely see we see within management and in retaining your top talent is that it's about attracting people to your culture and to your vision. So do you have one? <laughs> do you have a vision? Do you have something that can inspire them to do more than just get paid? If all you have to offer in your recruiting and everything you lead, like look at your career page, look at your positions and your posting, how you post about your position. Is it leading with benefits? Is it leading with vacation time? Is it leading with the amount they get paid? Or is it leading with that we are a supportive team environment that is go-getters, you know, if that's your culture? Or is that we're a caring environment and and want to do best by our clients. What is the culture you have? Is that at the forefront of the message to bring in those folks? Because they're going to choose where they're going to work by the culture, by the people. And as I mentioned too, we want to keep growing. It's I first said this was a millennial thing before. Now it's a human thing. It's the desire to continue to make my life worthwhile. And I want to be seen as mastering. I want to be seen as growing. If you want top talent, no. So these are the people that are the ones that you want to lead your company, whether they're in a leadership position or not, but lead through creativity, lead through problem solving. And so those are the folks that continually want to grow and they want to know the culture around them is people who are growing. So in your recruiting, you need to make that clear. 
But in your management, you also need to make it happen. So you can't just bait and switch. Mm. Oh yeah, we're great. We're we we support you. We're all about this mission. And then it's just, so did you get your stuff on time? And you know, are you making me more money? If that's your culture, your first step then is to work on how do we really be a supportive team. And this doesn't mean that your uh, company needs to bow down and do everything that your employee does. You don't want to go the other direction. It's not being, one of the things I think that people think of as servant leader is that I have to do whatever my employees, and that's not it at all. What you're doing is you're serving the whole. You're serving the whole company. You're serving the whole vision. So you're working together towards something bigger. If your team is working hard just to make you money, it's not very inspiring, but they're working hard so each other can achieve their own goals, or they're working hard so the clients or the product that, that is impacted by your company has them have a little bit better life. Bring that to light. Bring those to the conversation. Share that impact in your weekly updates or even in your metrics. So just start to bring into your culture the things that are going to be people coming to work saying, ah, it's worth showing up. I don't need to go somewhere else because I'm getting value for my life out of my work. All right. All right. I appreciate it. It's right. So it goes from the recruiting side and what you're what you what you're putting front and center to the culture, which goes to both the culture and the and, and the mission, I guess, or or what's the ultimate purpose and leading with that, because for many people that's gonna be even more than the salary or the benefits, it's going to be relevant in, in this new environment. Um, I would love to hear if you have examples or any stories from past clients or current clients, things that they've done or businesses that you're aware of or your business or anything uh, to maybe carry out some of these lessons, you know, what was done before, what was done after. I have some very simple things around recruiting that I can share with one of, um, this is a small business, so it doesn't take really a lot of effort, a lot of team or a lot of money. It's a small business. There's there's six of us total, including me as their fractional COO. And essentially what the, the just the simple changes that we did is in an annual meeting, we said, let's pause and figure out what are the attributes, what are the characteristics or the behaviors of our most successful team members. And so what we did is collectively, we thought about, you know, it's about being someone who is committed to continuous learning, someone who cares. So we came up with a list of what ended up being a dozen different attributes. And then we looked at that list and said, okay, how is this reflected in our recruiting? How is this reflected in our position that we are posting? What is it in the position on the career page? And what is it in the interview? So we, what we did is got really intentional. It's not like we had to go out and hire someone, but we just got really intentional with who is our ideal team worker and then started to reflect some of that language in the posting and in the position description and in the career page. Um, so a couple of things came out of that. One, I, I wanna make sure I'm clear about what's the difference between a job posting and a job description, because a lot okay. of people make that make that distinction. I'd appreciate it. Job description is like, what do you need to do? All of your characteristics or um, the behaviors, et cetera, the skills, the experience, that kind of thing. That's not what you want to use in your recruiting. Recruiting is marketing. 
um, trying to attract the right person. So you can link, or if people are applying, sure, they should see the job description. So you're clearing your expectation, but your position is about that in that order. Like, what is our culture? Who do we stand for? What is our mission? And of course you can share the benefits because if you're not charging them at least minimum or uh, the market rate, then you're not going to get them either. But it's it's about selling the culture. And so the posting, think of it as, and if, if you really want to do this well, just go to your marketing people and say, help me market our culture. And so with uh, going back to this um, small business, what we did is we had them really just re, first of all, make a job posting because they only have the job description that they would put out there but make the posting reflect the values. And, and one way you can do that is you can list, this is who we work with and this, and don't apply if you're these. So if you are someone who really cares about um, making a difference in people, then you should apply. And then it was like, don't apply if you just wanna show up and get a paycheck. So we made this distinction so that when you were reading it, it felt like, hey, they're speaking to me. I want to be a part of it. And you would do the same thing in marketing. So we we reflected that. But here's what was kind of powerful about what happened is that in getting feedback from the team and saying, hey, do you like this as we're starting to build the team and recruit more people? They would read it and be like, oh my God, I want to work there. Well, the funny thing is they already did, right? So it just <laughs> re-engaged them and it got them excited. And I've seen... um just having this focus around their attributes and saying what's great about working here and reminding each other, connecting to the core values, et cetera, on an ongoing basis, the team is working better together. They're holding each other to these higher standards. They're acknowledging each other around these standards. So it's been really fun to see, even just focused on the recruiting, how it is impacting the way the team is collectively being more productive, but also being more engaged. All right. Awesome. So detailed question. Okay. Is there a different, do you have to list the salary in the job posting? And is your answer different now than it would have been in 2019? So I, I, First of all, a little caveat, I am not an employment attorney. Right, I know. <laughs> I'm also not an HR compliance specialist. Um, but that being said, always check with the, the people that are on your team that know that kind of stuff. What I would say is this, in terms of recruiting and just, you know, you're one human communicating to another human and trying to see if, if you guys have something in common. On the posting, like, for example, just literally, what do you put in LinkedIn? What do you put in Indeed? You can say compensation is, uh, you know, above average or at market or whatever. You know, it's it, you can just write a sentence about the compensation. Now, first of all, you got to make sure. So, you know, if it's um, if it's a, a bit more than you would say your competitors do, even if it's just a little bit more, you can talk about. You know, compensation is is above market or something like that. What I would also do is not then put it in the position description. Once somebody applies and you want them to interview, make sure they have the position description so they know what they're interviewing because it is, like we said, different than the posting. But you still don't have to say the compensation at that point. You can give a range if you want. But ideally, if you can get to the point where you are asking in the interview, what is the, what is the salary compensation range that they are looking for? You're going to, I mean, it's kind of a race, right? 
who's gonna say it first they might ask you before you you know they they ideally if you're the employer you want to get them to admit first what is their range um but again it's it's similar to marketing keep that marketing mind in place if you are uh not being clear at least even saying what is market value for our area they may not want to apply so you just got to give them something to know that you're in the right range and and another client that i had an even smaller business they put in the range they actually said you know or starting at this amount because it was based at which is fine too and then you can say you know based on experience it can be different but even still we had someone we're like oh my gosh they're amazing when we're doing the interview and then we got to the question of what is the salary expectation that you're looking for out of this position and they were like I don't know probably a good 30,000 above which is not a range we could make work and we were like of course you're amazing but you did not read right the you did not read the job description that said the range or really understand that yeah, so there's an attention to detail issue there too. you do want to make sure you give at least a little bit of information so ideally even though we did and it didn't work you can scare away people who shouldn't be applying if they really want something else <laughs> right well, so let me close with this one because I know we're both in this fractional executive world. Uh, when it comes to attracting, recruiting, managing, or leading in the fractional executive world, would you say there's any differences now versus three or four years ago? I guess, and I don't really know what I'm asking. You know, is it from the perspective of the, you know, of uh, of, of businesses looking to retain fractional executive talent? Or, uh, you know, or, or maybe fractional executive firms looking to bring on, you know, fractional executive solos or people who want to go into the space to join their firm. I don't know. I guess you can handle answer either one you want. But do you see any impact of, of some of these trends when it comes to post great resignation or post COVID uh, when it comes to the fractional executive talent world? Well, there's this great book I read by this gentleman named. Ben Wolf, who actually addresses <laughs> a little bit in, in your fractional leadership book, Ben. And, and I think what has happened post-COVID is actually a huge opening and opportunity in the fractional space. So whether you're hiring a fractional leader or you're thinking about be, being either solo or coming to a firm around a fractional leader, that whole world of going remote and being able to produce at extraordinary amounts, being able to hold people accountable, accountable virtually has made the the profession of fractional leadership possible has made the opportunity for companies to get i mean to quote something you know get that executive talent you thought you couldn't afford <laughs> but it's true right you can actually get people that are all over the world so for example i'm on the west coast all my clients are on the east coast I would not want to fly that all the time. <laughs> I like it. It's be quite the daily commute of 3000 miles. Exactly. So the opportunity for both sides. I love working with them. I actually like working up waking up early. So having clients on the East Coast is great for me because I can start my day early and then I can do things with my family in the in the evening and the early afternoon. So it it just gives opportunities on all sides. They can have my talent that I wouldn't if if you had to get it me in like a 20 mile radius. And I get the opportunity to be able to, to give back to organizations that I truly love. I would say too, I think the other thing 
is as a fractional leader, just hearing this conversation, or if you are um, serving in any level of leadership, even if you're not fractional, remember that the piece that is most important is that you show you care about your your team that you're serving, whether you're fractional or not, it does not matter. They are looking to you to support them in their career. So find out what are their goals? Not just, you know, what are their goals of like helping us achieve our goals, but what are their personal goals? Do they want to go back to school? Do they want to be able to um, have a little bit more time for their hobby and see what you can do to help make that happen. Can you delegate something? Can you plow the way so that they can achieve their goals? That's going to bring loyalty to the company. It's going to bring um, loyalty to you as a leader, but it's also going to spread like wildfire in a positive way through your through your team as they hear that, hey, they, they not only ask, but they do something to support me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, and you, you know, and I think I think that that is, as you've hinted, going to part of the growth of the fractional, you know, number of people embracing a fractional, you know, a fractional way of working, uh, is that same factor that you mentioned motivating the Great Resignation, which is, you know, what you know, what I really want to be doing. How do I really want to be spending my time? Feeling less bound by the status quo of whatever you're doing before, or perhaps even for many years. Uh, you know, be willing to say like, Hey, I'll try something new. That's going to work better for my life or, or, you know, allow me to make more money or spend more time with people or on things that I'm passionate about, uh, that I couldn't do when I had a regular full-time job as an executive. So as you know, same thing that's motivating the great resignation is also motivating a lot of people to go into this fractional executive space and thereby making that kind of talent accessible to more businesses and and not bounded by geography, as you said, with your clients 3,000 miles away. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what's what's extraordinary opportunity for both sides. And we'll just continue to see more and more of that as, uh, I mean, just look ahead. Our millennials who we say kind of started this, like, I want to just go work somewhere that makes me happy. That's what we're seeing now with everyone, but just imagine as they continue to get towards the the more premium part of their executive career and they're looking to say, hmm, I don't want to work for one company anymore. I want to make a bigger difference, which is where a lot of us fractionals do. It's just going to continue. It is not going to lessen, but the desire to be a part of something bigger, helping multiple people, that's a big, big desire within fractional leadership. It's a it's you know, I don't know, there's this podcast called Win-Win, maybe that's why we're saying this, but it is a win for the fractional leader. It is a win for the company. You get your life and you get to be able to help small companies that normally couldn't afford you, but desperately need you. And that's super rewarding for us Mm -hmm. as fractional leaders, but it's really extraordinary to see how quickly these small businesses can grow and pivot because they have us really at the, as the rudder to like help them, you know, we've been there, we've done that, we know what to do, but can get them where they need to go. Right. By the way, in case it makes us Gen Xers feel a little older that these millennials that we're talking about, like they've got like teenage kids now, some of them, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be grandparents in, in, yeah. in, in five or 10 years, you know, some of these, they are our next fractional leaders. Yeah. And that too. Hey, thank you, Jen. I appreciate you making the time to talk today for giving us this perspective on how we can recruit and manage and lead 
more effectively and not put our head in the sand when it comes to, uh, you know, the different world that we do live in, uh, you know, post quote unquote, great resignation, post COVID. Uh, so I really appreciate that. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on and thanks for sharing with, with our whole community. Absolutely. And indeed, thank you, Jen and uh, everybody else. We will see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.